It was once was a sad swag man. <laughs> <laughs> Can't buy Billabong. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go take my jumbuck and jump in the <laughs> lake. <laughs> Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 24, for the 29th of September, 2022. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, we take a look at Next 2022. We look at some brand new features in VS Code. We have a plethora of new data features. And we've got some new show segments. But before we get to any of that, I'll introduce the co-host of the show, Dave Wall. How you going, Dave? Awesome. Thanks, Banky. How are you, mate? <laughs> good, mate. Good, good, good. How's your fortnight been? We are reasonable, yeah. Had that uh, that nice long weekend um, yeah. just passed, the four days. Four suited days. Suited me just fine. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Got a bunch of stuff done around the house. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't get that extra day here in New South Wales. Uh, did you take the Friday or? No, 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 I didn't. Just, uh, just worked, worked it through. It was pretty quiet. No one around. Yeah, I, I imagine the <laughs> slack would have been pretty dead. It was. Uh, I sat around and contemplated what data had been of mine had been uh, exposed. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think uh, you know nine point something million of us all did the same thing. I know. We're referring to the Optus hack in case in case you've been in in a cave in Mars with your fingers in your ears and you've not heard about it. Yeah. What um, a saga that's been. Oh, I tell you what, yeah, Optus are in the hole for it, aren't they? And then the hackers turned around just recently and said, oh, no, sorry for the inconvenience. I'm not going to release the data yeah. now. <laughs> Soz. <laughs> no hard feelings. Oh, like, oh, Soz. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> 10,200 people might feel a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I uh, I heard people rushing in to get their driver's license numbers changed um, because that's kind of the number one thing that's been exposed. I know mine's been exposed. Uh, but was, it, was yours in the, like, have you checked in that 10,000 list? Oh, no, I haven't done that. I should go yeah. back and check that, shouldn't I? But, uh, you know, they say they're not going to expose the, like, sell the data on. Yeah, I think or, you just have to assume it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's gone, trust. right? It's keys yeah. in the lava. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Um, but uh, I may have dodged a bullet. I, uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> Optus don't have my correct birth date, so... <laughs> International man of mystery. International Who knows man when of you mystery, were born? Yeah. No one knows now. Uh, <laughs> right? It could be any no, month just, or any year. <laughs> hey, I'm just, uh, I've got to put a reminder here so I can send you a present. What's your birthday? You can just, uh, <laughs> just say it loud over the podcast for <laughs> You me. ain't getting it. <laughs> That's the one thing I don't publish. Facebook don't have it. I, I tend to, I, yeah, I just tend to just keep that close to my chest, the birthday, because if they get that, then that's usually the keys to the city. Quick birthday. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, at least the data was held in Australia, <laughs> so it made it oh. safe. <laughs> Isn't that just serendipitous? I mean, that's exactly what we were talking about last episode. Uh-huh. And here we are, we have data stored in Australia, and it's irrelevant where it's stored, right? Doesn't it, matter. It got breached. 
Yeah. API unauthenticated, sitting open. Yep. Yep. The uh, yeah, the thing that concerns me more is that yeah, we've had like this particular uh, breach or this um, you know this one person making an extortion attempt. But how long has that API been sitting open for? How many other people knew about it? Has been slowly siphoning information out. Yeah, correct. Yeah. This was the guy that actually told us he got information. Yeah. 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 And it's not like it was a hack. He just <laughs> queried an API and it, it gave him what he wanted. Yep. Yep. Just sitting there open. Yeah. I mean, amateur hour, really. How do you, how do you, as a programmer, know that that's sitting there and you've written code to interrogate that and you've not done anything about it? That, that, so. that, that flummoxes me, like, right? It's, yeah. Well, I thought we transcended that. Like, safety is everyone's responsibility, right? I mean, it's, it's like, ah, oh, don't worry, it's just open. I'll just just leave it like that. I won't say anything to anyone. Yeah, no yeah. one's going to notice. It's only <laughs> me who's using it. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. Hey, um, I'm really liking that new push to talk feature in Google Meet. I am also, I'm a big fan. Thanks for sending that through to me. That uh, that's been great. You know, we've had a, quite a few meetings this week with uh, ex- like external stakeholders, and yeah, I, I've <sighs> been complaining about that one for about six months because I know Zoom had that. They've had that for a while, and uh, wouldn't it be great if you could just press the space bar and it would unmute your microphone? And lo and behold, we've got it now. So if yeah, you're not using so that feature, give it a go. Yeah, you yeah, just got to remember really, to press it though. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, but it takes me back. It takes me back to um, the old days of like raiding on WoW, and yeah. everyone's on Ventrilo, and you used to get really irritated if somebody didn't have push to talk yeah, on. Yeah, like ah, oh, dude. Before the echo cancelling got any good or it just didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, there's always someone who's got like a fan blowing into their yeah. microphone. <laughs> And, um, yes, I hear Ethereum. What, what's going on with Ethereum? Just well, quickly. okay. So, in our last podcast, it was like an hour or two before yeah. the, the merge, right? Uh, and now we've had a chance to see what the aftermath has been. And, um, oh, my goodness, if you were somebody who was crypto mining, you're feeling it now. <laughs> I know really? me that, that bad. and my friends who were in the same boat. Um all of our rigs are off. I think pretty much the only way to be profitable now is if you're paying, I think it's like less than three cents a kilowatt hour. Because it, Yeah. Everyone who was mining Ethereum, which was like 10 times more than everything else combined, uh, has been sort of distributed around. And yeah, right now there is nothing that is profitable. Right. Wow. So, so can, it took a hit can, and, then it, and then it came back again, I heard? Uh, so where are we I now? Mean, it's a quick, quick look now. Yeah, prices dropped, but that's always going to happen when, like, you know, a big anticipated event kind of comes out in crypto space. It's yeah. the the old adage of uh, buy the rumor but sell the news. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, when you think the merge was going to happen, you buy. But yeah, I'm just having a look now. If you had, if you had two thirty eighties. And you were paying ten cents a kilowatt hour. You would lose twenty nine cents a day currently. Yeah, okay. on the most profitable option. Yeah, right. So uh, now's the time to go and buy a secondhand video card. Uh, yeah, I imagine <laughs> that uh, the secondhand markets are. 
Light, a glut of cards. In lightly his life. used. <laughs> yeah, slightly soiled, bit dusty. Yeah, Use the pressure right. washer to clean them. <laughs> oh, yeah, what's with that? Yeah. All right, so yeah, well, your your rigs are off. You're out of the game for the minute. Yeah, but, I mean, I hadn't bought any cards for a while, so everything that I had was all paid off. Um, yeah, I'm just. Yeah, it's very quiet now. I'm looking forward to the reduced power bills. Yeah. And you've redistributed your GPUs back into your- <laughs> Back into all the gaming rooms, <laughs> yeah. local system. Yeah. yeah. And how did you go with that uh, 3D printer? Oh, yeah, yeah. good. So I uh, went around to my uh, my dad's place and we uh, did some soldering and got the headers on all properly. And that's that's been working really nicely. I ended up buying, because that worked well, um, I've bought another- uh, Raspberry Pi, Raspberry Pi uh, Zero W Two, um, but they're hard to get. Like mm, all the yeah, Raspberry Pi stuff is at the moment, so you can't get them on their own. You can only get them in kits. So again, paid more than I need, but yeah, sort of. I like being able to have my uh, printers online now. Actually, cool thing is, is I start getting metrics about. Um, like utilization time, like how often the printer is printing versus sitting idle, and mm. it's kind of nice from a, I guess, a, you know, usage of plant <laughs> kind of metrics side of things. So, yeah, it's nice. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, um, we'll get on with the news items. But before we get on with that, I just want to mention a couple of things. Um, there's a blog article posted on uh, Medium by Grant Sutton, who's who's uh, part of Digio, one of our sister brands. And it's a four-part blog talking about how Mantle Group became a great place to work. So if you're curious to find out about that, or even if you work at Mantle and you want to pat yourself on the back a little bit, um, go and have a read of that. It's a great read. Uh, I've only read the first first uh, article at this point, but there, there will be four articles uh, yeah, he's published uh, two, three, and four since I read it last. So, yeah, I need to get back and read the rest of those. But I'll put a link in the show notes and, um, yeah, have a read of that. Yeah, it goes a lot into, I guess, like organization structures. And, um, and it, you know, we are a very different organization here. It's a very flat. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, very – everyone has a chance to contribute – um, we we don't have any corporate policies per se. We operate in a, a principle model, and as long as you're following your, those principles, every action you take follows those principles, you're good. Yep. Um, just need to make sure you're doing that, and you're, you're good to go. Um, yeah, so go and have a relearn out more about it. Now, I did mention at the top of the show that we have a couple of new segments, and I'm really excited Always about Always evolving is Always the GCP Life Podcast. That's it. Always evolving. We're agile. I, I, I wanted to bring new segments into the show. One of the, one of the, the, the goals for the, the show earlier, one of the dreams for the show early on was to have like different segments that we would bring in on different episodes. We wouldn't have every segment in every episode, but we would have a pool of things available for us like, uh, you know, interviews or, you know, um, opinion pieces or whatever. And we would pick and choose from that pool. Well, up to now we've just kind of been doing news items and news items is perfectly cromulent. I mean, that's a viable, perfectly way to operate and, and they're good, right? It's, I know it's they're good for me. It keeps me on the, on the sharp and pointy edge of things. Um, but 
today I've got two new uh, segments, and one is going to be an interview with one of our Kaznians. Uh, it's something I wanted to do for a while, so we've got that coming up, and I'm also going to do start kick off a segment called "What Is It?" And today we're going to talk about OKRs. What exactly is an OKR? And we can't even spell that. OKR. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I'm hoping that between Dave and I, we'll have enough subject matter to dig down into some of these subjects and talk a little bit more deeply about them. Yeah, and worst case scenario, we'll just have a list. Because <laughs> we love a list. We love a list. Yeah. We- <laughs> well, let's see. We've got horror stories. We've got lists. We've got news items. Uh, now we've got what is it and interviews. I mean, that's five. There we go. We've got five segments. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a list. <laughs> it's a list of segments. It's a list of lists. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, let's get on with the news. We have next coming up. Next is on between October 11 to October 13. Yeah, so by next podcast, we'll be in the middle of it, I guess. We will be, um, yeah, so our next show will go to air on the 13, 14, we'll, yeah, 13, 14. So it's probably we'll just have finished by the time the next show goes to air. Which will be good. Uh, which will be good, yeah. We'll I mean, have some news items to go through and- yeah, heaps of stuff's going to come out of it. Yeah. Um, I uh, I went through all the talks and I've made a few playlists, which I will link in the show notes. I've made playlists around Infra and DevOps, uh, platform and network security, and work, life, and the environment. Very nice. I started putting my own list together, but I will have a look at yours because, you know, why not steal with pride? <laughs> yes, why not indeed. Um so, quite a number of talks and labs and breakouts around security, as you would expect. Mandiant gets the mention in a few of them. The reason I did work, life, and environment is because there does seem to be a bit of a focus around that. Um, there's a specific keynote on burnout, which I found oh, interesting. yeah. I also uh, added that one in mine. Mm. So, I'll be interested to see what they say there. Um the environment does feature in quite a few uh, talks, uh, sustainability, uh, green data centers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, that, that's cer- certainly something they seem to be taking more seriously. And, of course, the old uh, infra and DevOps, uh, I can't go past that. That was the first one I made. Uh, that, that features prominently... Uh, lots of infrastructure talks, lots of CICD stuff. Uh, VMware gets a talk, lift and transform your VMware estate with Google VMware Engine. Yes, there was definitely going to be a GCVE node in there for sure. Absolutely, yeah. And there's uh, a, a one about uh, NetApp and Google Cloud, which I'm interested to find out. I don't really know much about the NetApp offering on Google Cloud at this point, so I need to go and Get, get I've that. looked into it a little yep. bit um, because I was looking at seeing how you can use it to interface with GCVE. Of course. So yep. I dug into it a bit. Um, yeah, it's a nice way to give you some of the, I guess, the on-tap services. If um, you're someone who's yep. you know still in a sort of NetApp on-prem way of doing things or like SnapMirror and stuff, you get yep. uh, quite yep. a few things. Uh, and a couple of talks on lowering Google Cloud costs as well, um, which would be, you know, I, I imagine things like spot VMs will feature in those kind of talks. 
which seems to be the big push at the moment. So, yeah, go and have a look at those. I've got the three three playlists there. And uh, hopefully, Dave, if you get yours ready, I'll, I'll, I'll plug them in the show notes as well. Yeah, I'll see if there's anything that stands out to me that isn't already captured in yours. Cool, cool. All right, let's move on then. Uh, that's enough for next. We'll hear about it next show. Now, we were playing with this next thing uh, just before the show. We were. We were, and my boy, oh boy, isn't it cool? Google brings Compute Engine integration to cloud code. This is way cooler than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't have uh, the Google uh, cloud code for Visual Studio code installed, I don't know. That's Pause the podcast of, and do it now. <laughs> a lot of a lot of co- using of the word code there, but <laughs> the plugin's called Cloud Code by Google, and uh, I had it installed, uh, and it plugs into Visual Studio. And one of the things you can do with it, if you are on the Activities tab on the left, which I had, I couldn't find. Dave had to tell me where it was. A <laughs> <laughs> <The> short screen <laughs> sharing <laughs> session. <laughs> Uh, if you click on that, uh, Cloud Code on the Activities tab, once you have the plugin in the store, one of the little drop-downs is Compute Engine. Now, if your project is set within Visual Studio Code... And it gives you that down the bottom. Once you've got Cloud Code in there, and you can change the project that you're linked to. and um, You can yeah. change the project, that's right. It will give you a list of the Compute Engine instances in that project. Okay, that's great. It's giving you a list. But not only do you get a list, it gives you all the data on it. gives you all the metadata on it. Like, uh, you know, this one's an E2 small, Intel Bromwell, uh, the internal IP address, any firewall rules associated with it, the NIC, the, the disks that are attached. And if you right-click on it, you can open an SSH terminal directly to it. Yeah, or you can Boom. upload a file to it. <laughs> Boom, or you can upload a file to it. How cool is that? Directly integrated to the IDE. Yeah, it's uh, it's so clever. And then when you add in all the extra things that you get in cloud code, like you switch on APIs in your projects, you can do that in there. Yeah. This is a whole <laughs> section I didn't even realize was here. Yeah. Uh, cloud run, you can, uh, you can enable cloud run. Um, you can uh, turn the APIs on and off. Secrets manager. Yeah. You can, you can manage you can, GKE. Manage GKE. I, I kind of knew that was there. I, I knew. I think that was kind of the first thing that they introduced with it. But yeah, right. Um, this is this potentially. I mean, you could you could run the whole project from here. I, I guess that's probably one of their end game, their goals, right? No longer do you have to go to the console. Just do the yep. whole thing here. Yep. Mo's deaf. <laughs> I like it, and I'll be using it a lot for sure. Um, so check that out. It's 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 an easy plugin to install. Um, it supports uh, IntelliJ as well. IntelliJ, nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah, because it does say developers can install Cloud Code for VS Code or Cloud Code for IntelliJ. Once installed, the developer can find Compute Engine in the Activity Bar in case of VS Code or a list of IDE tools in case of IntelliJ. Um. Link in the show notes. Go to have a look. Full instructions there on how to use it. Um, yeah, super cool. And and you know, I think if this keeps going on the same trajectory, there's 
more and more features are going to appear in here. Oh, God. oh just wait till the whole GCVE thing is integrated into this. It's going to be next level. <laughs> yep. All right, we'll take a look at the next item here. Um, we have uh, extending Anthos to manage on-premises Edge VMs. Speaking of VMs, uh, this is now generally available. So, you know, Anthos has always been able to manage your, your on-prem Kubernetes and your containers. Well, now yep. VMs as yep, well. As well. So if you're using an Anthos on bare metal solution, you now have the option of having VM workloads running on that same tin. Right alongside it, yeah. Customers can now run VMs alongside containers on a single, unified, Google Cloud-connected platform in their data centers or at the edge. Now, one thing that this article did point out, it says VM support is available, and you might help be able to clarify this for me, because mm-hmm. I thought we talked about this on the show. VM support is available on Anthos for bare metal, now known as Google Distributed Cloud Virtual. Yes, we have touched on this as a solution. We have touched on this for, as a solution, right. So I was conflating those two terms. I, for whatever reason, thought those two things were separate, but turns out they're not. That's the specific product name for Anthos on bare metal. Yeah, which was really, uh, it's an edge solution. Um, I, I think it's really cool. I would like to see, um, you know, if you had, say, a, you know, a bit of leftover tin, maybe you had a, a VMware cluster that you could slice a couple of nodes off. Just spin run up a uh, node, yeah, spin up two yeah. nodes, yeah. I guess it would appear like a, I'm just, I've never used it, I don't know, but I guess it would just appear like a, a zone in your console and it's like an on-prem zone. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It would make the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think under the hood it's using kubevert to actually give you the, the VM instances. Yes. It, yeah, we integrate kubevert with Anthos on bare metal to simplify the installation up and upgrade experience. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um. What so I it's like still about, all, uh, Kubernetes all the way down. That's Kubernetes <laughs> <laughs> all the way down. It says, uh, we've included significant networking enhancements like support for multiple network interfaces for VMs and IP Mac stickiness to enable VM mobility that is also compatible with Kubernetes pod multi-NIC. And we've added VLAN integration while also enabling customers to apply L4 Kubernetes network policies for an on-premises VPC-like micro-segmentation experience. So, uh, you know, off-the-shelf fender appliances? Straight in. Straight in. Yeah, your F5s, your Fortinets, straight in, right? Um, I imagine you you would be able to then, say, run like a Windows VM without having to run on Windows nodes. Hmm. Why not? If it's a VM, mm. why not? Why yeah. not, indeed? Mm. Just all managed through Anthos. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All right, very so cool. That, so that opens some, up some possibilities. Yeah, I might have to. Uh, I don't mentioned this before. I've got a server here. I could probably get something going with that. Yep. So, go have a yeah. chat to the account manager and <laughs> get some uh, get some credits. Get some credits for that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well. Um, Google uh, has released a bunch of new features around databases uh, and and BigQuery, and uh, I wasn't sure where I wanted to how I wanted to sort of frame this, but 
Um, let's just let's just start. Let's just get into it. Hey, let's um, just go. We'll see where we end up. We'll see where we end up. Yeah. <laughs> Google Preview Streaming Connector for BigQuery. Now I was like, what? What the heck is this? So I'm not a data guy, and I don't play one on TV. Um, but available for preview, data streaming for BigQuery is designed to offer developers the ability to replicate from operational database sources such as AlloDB, PostgreSQL, uh, MySQL, and Oracle directly into BigQuery. Yeah. What does that mean? Like, I know what it means. I'm reading the words. I can picture it, but but why? Why? What's the advantage? Do we know? Well, okay. So, also, like yourself, I'm not a data engineer. Okay. <laughs> um, but the way I read this is, you can have your you know your primary transactional database system. You're you're running your organization on, um, but if you want to get uh, the enhanced querying that you get in BigQuery. Now you can basically have a, a consistent streamed export from that database into BigQuery. Ah, without having to set up any sort of data separate uh, and data pipeline or anything like that. Yeah. So you can just enable data stream. Yeah, it says data stream employs a serverless auto-scaling architecture, which allows users to set up an ELT, I know what that is, extract, load, and transform. A, A, I do know what that is, and B, it's written in the article, (laughs) pipeline to replicate data from the source OLTP system. What's an OLTP system? (laughs) Um, (laughs) They didn't explain that one. (laughs) I'll go and look that one up. Into BigQuery, right? Oh, so I guess I would do online. It'd be your, your Postgres or your MySQL or your Oracles, right? Yeah, online uh, transaction processing. Online is what tra- Google says. When oh, I there you go. It. Online transaction processing. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That's what your app's talking to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the resulting analytics is intended to inform users of business circumstances and help forecast what might happen next. Okay, so you're doing your BigQuery analysis um, yeah. from your OLTP, right? Um, cool. I, I guess it just removes that one step, simplifies things a little bit. Now, the other thing that Google has launched around databases, um, there's a bunch of new tools, um, linking to show notes. Google launches through of new tools for its data cloud, right? So these are all around big data, big query. The new tools which are unavailable in a blog post include the general availability of Big Lake and Analytics Hub, both of which were in preview, and the introduction introduction of log analytics in cloud logging, which is now in preview. Mm. So you asked the question, what are these things? Well, Analytics Hub in preview was in preview in late 2021. The tool is essentially a data sharing platform where users of Google Data Cloud can securely access and share analytics assets such as reports, dashboards, and data model models across their organizations. Okay. Helpful. Right. Helpful, yeah. Analytics Hub resides within BigQuery. Yeah, Analytics lives in BigQuery. You can share um, reports and dashboards across your organization. Very cool. Um, while BigQuery is designed for use with structured data, uh, Big Lake, as its name suggests, is a repository for data lakes, which are designed- I remember when this went into preview. 
Yeah, we that's right. A few months we back. did touch on it. Yeah, uh, and you can just store raw data that can be used for any purpose. You just sort of throw it in the data lake, right? Uh, Big Lake gets users. Uh, Google users build multi-cloud data lakes that eliminate needs to move data from query and analysis. Meanwhile, it includes security controls that can be configured in one place. Nice. What about log analytics? So log analytics. Like logging. We're big fans. We love the logging. Uh, Maybe it should be a show segment. Um, It's something that's going to appear in cloud logging. It's a fully managed real-time log management service from Google. Sort of like a seam, I don't know, maybe. Okay, yeah. Uh, and enable storage, search, analysis, and alerting. What's this? How does this differ over the existing cloud monitoring, cloud logging solutions? Aims to help organizations gain insights from the logs they create about the different events captured by their various systems. So I thought you could always do this. You could always export logs to BigQuery anyway. So maybe it's just an extension of that. Maybe, maybe it. Uh, letting you stay within cloud logging without having to export it out? Yes, that would be handy. That would be helpful. Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, by using BigQuery SQL, ah, so you use BigQuery SQL to interrogate it. Right. Customers that store data generated from service centers and other devices can analyze their data in the same way they organize other business data. Okay, so this would be a new way of doing it versus the old way of like doing a, a, a creating a sync. And- right, absolutely. Yeah, you don't need to go through the hop through all those hoops. It just appears there in log analytics. Mm. Uh, well, that's something that you know. Sort of, I guess we have to ask for it if we're going to get it. If it's currently in preview, but um, if it's not now. As soon as that thing moves to GA, it's going to get a lot of work out. <laughs> yeah, if I mean, if that's if that's uh, doing what's log analytics. Here we go. Oh, I'm just here, in the console. Oh, there we go. We didn't have to request anything for it, so no. it's in our project an existing project already. Right. So it's telling me using log analytics, you can transform, group, and aggregate log data to generate deeper insights from your logs and reduce troubleshooting time. You can also use BigQuery to join your data log with other data sets. There is no additional cost for upgraded log buckets or for running queries from the log analytics page. BigQuery analysis charges supply, right? Okay. When using BigQuery to query log data through linked data sets. Right. So I need to create a bucket and then log analytics, I guess a bucket where all the logs go, and then I can use log analytics to interrogate it. I'm assuming the same way I would have used BigQuery in the past. I guess so. We're yep. going to have to play around with it. We are going to have to play around with it, but it's it's all integrated now into operations mm. and logging. Where it should be, really. Yeah, you would think so. But you know under the hood they're just doing the same thing. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so it, there you but go. it makes it more... More of a native thing, especially for like ops people, would be like, I'm in my logging system. I would like to analyze my logging system. Well, you go to log analytics. <laughs> no, no, no. You go to BigQuery and then you <laughs> do a log sync and you get uh, no more. Yeah, <laughs> right. no. You don't have to know about it as much. Just let no, them that's right. do that for you. It's just all there. Which yeah. is that, you know, that's what we're all about in the cloud, right? You know, we want to abstract away a number of these things. Yeah. And I, I'm assuming you can 
you can probably you can save uh, queries and share them with a the team and have ones that are already re- pre-set up ready to go. So, you know, if you're investigating something, you know how this sort of stuff works. It's great to set all this stuff up, but you really don't get around to setting up exactly what you want until you need it. Yeah. You know? So, oh, yeah, I put a query in that for before. I'm investigating some problem. I put a query in for that. There it is there, and then everyone else can look at it, you know? Um, yeah, there you go. A couple of new features. Uh, and another new feature that I really liked is uh, firewall policies. Big changes in the uh, firewall space. Big changes in the firewall space. Yeah, Google Cloud Firewall introduces network firewall policies, IAN governed tags, and more. So I went and had a little bit of a play with this. Um, what you now have is when you go into um, VPC Firewall, you have uh, – well, there's no rules on this project, but you have this network firewall policies in addition to the firewall rules. Now, I can create a firewall policy, uh, and if I go test, right – and this is the cool thing about it. You can create a policy like at the org level and you can filter that policy down to all the projects. Okay. Right? That's the difference with it, right? Uh, I can add a rule. And then when I add these rules, this, now this looks like a normal firewall adding rule, but I've got this other thing here, secure tags, right? Mm-hmm. So I can create near arbitrary tags um, that the policy is applied to. Right. Is this the part that then uh, integrates with the IAM governed tags? Yeah, IAM governed tags, exactly. Yep. Yep. And I can just set up and rest of it is just like a normal firewall rule. Um, but, and then once I've created that, I can then associate that with a VPC. So I attach it to the VPC, that policy. So the cool thing about this is, is you can have a policy that's, um, you want to apply everywhere. And it just gets applied. You can do it at global and it just gets applied, or you can have it spun up, ready to go, and then you can apply it in the project. You don't have to – it saves a lot of mm. repetition, you know, a lot of redo. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just reading from the article here, a global network firewall policy provides a global firewall configuration structure to match the global nature of Google Cloud VPC networks. It applies to workloads deployed in all Google Cloud regions in the VPC network. A regional network firewall policy provides a regional firewall configuration structure for Google Cloud firewalls that can only be used in a single target region. When using regional firewall policies, um, the user can designate a target region for a firewall, so you can you can attach it to that region. Yeah, right. Um, so just a bit of a different way, it sort of puts that abstraction layer between the firewall and the hardware. So whereas VPC firewalls, uh, you know, that's the bread and butter of security, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's attached to the VPC and the devices are in it. But this allows you to take a policy that's, you know, transportable. Yeah, that's great. Have it in one location, even if it's a set of sensible defaults. Anyway, uh, there it is. Link in the show notes. Um, firewall policies. All right, then. Uh, that's enough news articles for the moment. Let's go on with the interview. 
Okay, here we are, sitting down, sitting down with Dee. How are you going, Dee? Hey, Banky, I'm good, thanks. How are yeah, you? Yeah, good. Um, something I've wanted to do on the show for a while is just introduce, um, have the quick sort of one-on-ones with Casma people. Awesome. Um, you're the first cab off the rank. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Lucky winner, eh? Everyone knows <laughs> Dee. <laughs> so, uh, tell us about yourself. How did you get started with Casna? What are you doing, Casna? All that kind of jazz. Oh, awesome. That's a lot. I love to talk about it. Uh, well, I'm Dhirendra. Uh, it's a long, complex name, so everyone calls me D. That works very well for me as well. Um, I come from an enterprise Java background, so I've worked on a lot of large-scale Java applications, scalable architecture, etc. But somewhere along the lines, I got interested in data. And I saw future uh, in data, big data processing, analytics, ML and AI. Now, ML and AI is a bit too far away, but I'm I'm still uh, learning heaps about that. Um, I love data and analytics, so I joined uh, Casna because I had a good deal of experience with Google Cloud, and I learned that Casna um, is a very GCP exclusive partner. Casna has a great brand reputation in the market. And uh, Casna works on really large-scale, complex projects on GCP. So that really got me excited. Mm. Wow, what a place to be at. Yeah. And then I also heard about the exclusive partnership benefits that Casna enjoys with Google, like all the big projects um, from Google directly, and also uh, excellent support, um, excellent guidance, and uh, access to all the training materials from Google, heaps of swag. Lots of visit to Google Office. I mean, come on, who, who doesn't like Google Office? Swag, I know. Exactly. There's plenty of swag. I've got to go and get mine, actually. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's how I got in, uh, interested in Casna. And, and boy, what an amazing almost two years it has been. I've mm-hmm. worked on so many projects, really solved complex problems, mm-hmm. and really love working with all fellow Casnians. Amazing mm-hmm. place. Love it. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, amazing <laughs> place. I've worked on some incredible projects as well. And, and big infra for me, that's what really floats my boat. You like the big data. I like oh, the yeah. big infra. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, what? What? So, speaking of projects, what would be? I mean, we can't. I mean, you, you, there's only so many details you can give. But what would be the most interesting project you have done in those two years? Oh, it's going to be hard one, Banky. Uh, I can't really pick favorites here <laughs> because e- each of those projects has come with its own um, set of challenges and uh, fun bits. Now. Um, we realize that big data and analytics has been pretty hot in the market. Mm. So be it whether you want to migrate a data warehouse or whether you want to get insights from your data, whether you want to do ML or AI, the first step is pretty much to build a data lake. Like mm. no matter what you want to build, you need to dig a huge hole. And what are we doing now? We're doing our own BigQuery? Yeah. Uh, so typically we use BigQuery a lot on GCP yeah. and uh, because it is the analytical OLAP DB in uh, uh, in GCP, pretty much everywhere uh, we end up channeling all the data into BigQuery. But building a data warehouse or building a data lake on GCP is usually the first step. And it, it's it's much better on GCP because of all the managed serverless products, mm. but it still takes time. Mm. And, and know-how, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. You don't want to get that wrong. Absolutely. From the beginning, yeah. Absolutely. You've you, you got to make all the right decisions from the get-go. You, you, you want to make sure that you use the Google-recommended best practices, uh, reference architectures, 
consider data confidentiality, PII, governance, mm. data lineage, and yeah. a- a- everything else. This is, this is why I don't mess with data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to consider everything from the get-go and, and, and get it right. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be back on the drawing board after three months. But we have done it a few times, and we saw an opportunity to save heaps of time and effort for the clients. So we built a production-ready data lake, which we can pretty much spin up within a matter of days, as opposed to building a lake for months. Mm. So this was one of the toughest projects that uh, I really was fortunate to work on and and lead the technical design and architecture and also development with fellow Kasnians. So that was one of the most fun projects I worked on. Yeah, fantastic. And have you got your teeth into anything at the moment or are you kind of on a What's your big project at the moment? Um, so right now, another big thing that's happening is, so what I just described, we call mm-hmm. it KID, CASNA Insights from Data. Now, this has been quite successful. We have won a lot of projects on the back of KID, mm-hmm. and we have been able to accelerate the data journey for a number of clients by spinning up KID and leapfrogging from there at that point forward. Now we are looking at the next generation of KID. Because Google constantly innovates and now there are brand new products out in the market Mm. on the Google Cloud platform, which are better, more modern, highly scalable, more cost uh, cost effective. So we are now looking at building the V2, the next version of uh, CAS9 Insights from Data. So that's going to be a fun project to work on. Yeah, fantastic. Right. And um, I mean, it's clear you love GCP and we all love CAS9. But what do you do outside work? What's your interests? Oh, I've got heaps of interests. Um, of course, I, I love tech, so anything to do with tech is something that really tickles my fancy. Otherwise, I enjoy bike riding, uh, bushwalking, long walks, and uh, uh, I'm a bit of a carpenter, so I nice. I love carpentry as well. And uh, it, it's really funny how a lot of design and architectural decisions are so common between carpentry and scalable cloud architecture. I know it sounds funny, but maybe it's a topic for... Well, it's an architecture thing, right? Exactly, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So it's all mathematics and diagrams and making yeah. decisions. So, yeah, it, it's mainly engineering, so I enjoy that too. Yeah. Um, I play badminton. Badminton? Yeah. Okay, all right. And is that like you're in a competition competitively or uh, no, not casual? A, not anymore. After, after a few injuries, not anymore. Yeah. But I, I definitely do play badminton with my friends uh, from time to time. We book up a court somewhere in Sydney and we enjoy two to three hours of nice game. Nice, nice. And uh, I'm going to ask this question to every <laughs> person I interview. This is going to be the theme. What is your favourite movie and why? Ooh. Now you really put me in a fix. I'm, I'm a huge sucker for sci-fi yep. because ever since I was a child, the first time when I read the book 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, it changed me forever. And mm. at that point forward, I've always had a, a, a huge interest for sci-fi movies. Back to the Future, The Matrix. I'm a big time Matrix fan, so I, yeah. I can I pretty much remember all the lines. I can dig deep into the symbolism and religion and everything in the Matrix. Yeah, wow. Okay, I, I can talk for days on the Matrix. So, just the first film, or what do you think of the other ones? <laughs> uh, in, I, I would say the other two have also grown up on me over yeah. the past uh, twenty Three now. Is it exactly, exactly. Yeah. Over, over the past fifteen twenty years yeah. now? Um, and there are so many other movies as well, like uh, The Inception and, uh, uh, yeah. Interstell- so these dystopian sci-fi exactly, films you exactly. love. So you like Blade Runner. I love Blade Runner. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So the, the best one I've uh, watched so far, I mean, recently, is Ready Player One. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I love it for so many reasons. First of all, it's sci-fi. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. Mm. Great music. But here's the bonus. It packs 40 years of pop 
pop culture references. Uh, right. Yeah. So All it's, squeezed it's, it's it, amazing. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, to see the DeLorean come back to life, uh, to see Kong. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's such a treat. That, that's, a, that's a really awesome movie. Uh, there's another show on Netflix which I really enjoyed, The Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Oh, now that's dystopian. Yeah. dystopian. <laughs> yeah. really dystopian. It can mess yeah. up with your brain. And it's yep. funny that it's been a decade old now and some of, some of the episodes from Black Mirror are actually turning into reality. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The Black Mirror is the TV. You realize that, yeah. Exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a phone screen. It's a tablet. It's yep. a TV. That's what everyone today is glued into yep. and, and can't snap out of. Aptly named. Well, I mean, we've left our listeners with some thoughts right there. <laughs> but, Dee, thanks for having us. It's been awesome, mate. Thank you, Banky. Always you. a pleasure talking to you. All and right, uh, love GCP, love Kasna. Go Google. Life. All right. <laughs> thanks, mate. Thanks. All right. So something I've wanted to do for a while on the show is a deep dive into um, – Various topics, you know, whatever topics come along, and I, uh, I casually put the question out to a, a meeting that I was on the other day. I said, "Well, does anyone actually know what an OKR is? Can you give me a textbook answer for what an OKR is?" And, and, uh, and I'm cr- sure someone answered it for you in about a minute, and uh, and then you moved on with your day. Crickets, <laughs> <laughs> crickets. <laughs> So I went, oh, you know what? I've got access to YouTube. I'm going to go and find out what an OKR is, <laughs> find out exactly what it is. Um, and I have to be honest with you, even right now, I'm still not exactly sure what it is, although I have a much better understanding. Um, it's when you hear it explained by different people, it's you get a different explanation and people implement it differently. Um, so a little bit of background, um, an OKR, uh, well, it's two things, right? It's a way to structure your goals. Uh, it's a framework for managing those goals. It's a strategy execution tool. Right. That's, that's three things. (laughs) I think there was a comma in there somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, a way to structure your goals and a framework to manage them, right? And a framework to manage them, right? Uh, It started with a book called uh, Management by Objectives by an author called Drucker. Uh, It was published in the 50s. Um, And then it got picked up by Intel. And then a guy from Intel went and presented it to Google early on to Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Brin. Um, They got all excited about it and started using it, right? And Google implemented it in 1999. And then from then on, it's kind of been embedded into startup culture. Yeah, right. right? So nearly a quarter of a century and just and a, a testament in and of well, itself. Well, for 50s, right? I mean, it started well, the 50s in Intel, right? Um, so why do, we, why do we do it? Well, we do it because teams become responsible for their own objectives without being dictated to. Right, and it gives clarity on strategic priorities. So, one of the th- things that you will need to that's important about it is that an OKR is set at the business level, and then those those OKRs are used to drive the OKRs at the lower levels. You know, at the at the business unit level, and then at the 
um, team Into individual level, right? teams. In, yep. And down to individuals, right? Now, the OKR is made up of a few things, three, three main things. The objective, that tells you where to go. The key result, which is how I know what, how I'm getting there. And the initiative, right? What will I do to get there? Now, the key result itself, that's the outcome, and the initiative is the output. Now, it's important to know the difference between those two, right? The outcome is what you want to achieve, right? What, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, specifically, I will get into a specific example on this, um, uh, but you want to complete 50 orders, for instance. That's your outcome, right? But your, or the outcome would be, Complete have completed fifty orders, but the output um, will be the initiatives to do that, right? The the work that's around actually doing that, right? That's the work. Um, so a little bit more on the anatomy. The objectives um, typically they're set quarterly. I mean, it could be any time frame. Right, um, it's important to put a time frame around it, and those objectives need to be big, right? They need to be almost unobtainable, right? They need to be blue sky thinking, um, you know, think as think as think as big as possible uh, with those. They need to help achieve the company goals. They need to be inspiring, right? They need to move the company forward. Needs to be time bound. I mentioned that before, so you, it's very important to put a time on. Otherwise, it's just fluffy, and you never you never meet that time, right? Annually or quarterly, I guess you know an annual objective would be a real big thing. Uh, quarterly would be sort of you know smaller around that, right? Or you could have uh, an annual objective that drives a quarterly objective, right? That's True. that filtering yeah. down you, thing, you right? Frame your quarterlies based around the annual. Yeah. Um. Should not be easy. Now, that's the, this is the, the big, the blue sky thinking stuff, right? Only achieve two thirds in a single in single quarter or single time period, right? Got so they stretch goals. Yeah, so it's got should should include should encompass the stretch stretch goals, right? To, to challenge you to, to to push further than you think is possible. Um, objectives are not projects, and that's a clear that needs to be a clear definition, clearly defined, right? The projects, when we talk about the example, um, that'll this will clear this up. But a project will be come out of an objective. Yeah, it would, would that would be right. an output to like we're gonna we want this thing, and we're gonna do that project to get the thing that we want. Yeah, that could be considered an output. Yeah, yeah. The project, but the the project would contain several initiatives over that quarter, for instance, right? Now, there could be multiple projects attached to um, one initiative, or one objective, right? Depending on how complex it is, right? Um, uh, objectives are not one-off activities, right? They're not BAU. Uh, objectives are only for starting new things, right? Running through things that are going to be difficult, um, putting things in place, building stuff typically. This is why we use it, right? Mm -hmm. And it closely aligns to Agile. Now, key result. Um, now, key results 
they are your metrics to measure, right? They're, they're your, your objective you will, will lead to your key result or many key results, and they're the things that you measure, right? They have to be specific. They have to be quantifiable, and they have to be achievable, right? And the, the, the smaller the bite-sized chunks you can make, the key results, the better, Right, so right. you want them down to like atomic units of results. Yeah, and they have to be achievable, right? And those atomic units have to have a time frame on them, right? Difficult but not impossible. Um, they are not binary. In other words, it shouldn't just be a yes-no thing. It should be a thing that's sort of complex. Right, so right? you should be able to get a partial. You know, we wanted to increase our market share by 12% and yeah. we got to 10%. It- Exactly. Or we wanted to sell 30 units, but we sold 25, for instance, right? Uh, they are not tasks, right? Tasks are a different thing, right? Tasks, they are metrics, right? The key results on the metrics. And then later when you go back and you do your retro or you score the thing or whatever, you can look at the key results and you can say, well, yeah, we wanted to achieve, uh, you know, 20% market share, but we got 18% market share. Uh, we wanted to sell... 20 units, but we only sold 15 units. Uh, in our case, we might say we wanted to have five people with a certification, but we achieved three. You know, that's, you know, however you want to grade that outcome. Um, okay, how do we do it? So objectives, they lead to a key result. Objectives are measurable. They should co- not contain a number. Uh, sorry, objectives are not measurable. They should not contain a number. They're very ambitious, right? That's what we talked about. Every key result must be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. A smart objective, if you will. Not just for measuring hard drive health. A smart objective? Yeah, that's, that's the, uh, the acronym for smart. A specific, measurable, oh, achievable. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, bound. smart. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, smart. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so once we have all that, then we have the initiatives, right? The initiatives... Uh, we have news that they'll contribute to the key result. Initiatives can be planned over a set period. As you set an initiative for each month in a quarter, that will contribute to the key result for that quarter. So that's what you're going to do to achieve that key result. That's what the in- initiatives are. So some recommendations around this. Um, set and reset them frequently. So always be reviewing your objectives, be reviewing your, your key results. Are they still um, relevant where the market is now, where the company is? All that. Yep, absolutely. Um, don't have too many. That's the number one big mm. thing, right? Like d- focus on only one or two, right? Yep. If you have too many and you've got too many projects going, you spread yourself thin, then nothing's going to happen. Right, you just you just end up in analysis paralysis, and you don't actually get anything done at all. Right, and if you just have very clear defined objectives, uh, key results, and initiatives, then you can just just drive to get those done. Um, make them transparent. Right, so everybody in the team should be able to see what's going on, and 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 then ultimately uh, they'll be able to contribute to those OKRs. Um, align them. So from top to bottom, we talked about that before, they should align and then sideways across teams, they should be aligned. Okay. If teams are working on similar initiatives and, um, and got a similar OKRs and 
then they can either help each other or they can look at maybe removing some of those. Why are we got two teams doing the same thing? Yeah, maybe not necessary. Uh, update progress regularly. So um, you see this with agile process, right? So daily stand-ups, right? Weekly project meetings, um, constantly be feeding in and feeding back around those OKRs. Uh, appointed OKR ambassador. So every OKR should have someone that's the champion for that and they should be the one driving it. Um, at the end of the project, uh, score it and announce it. So have a retro. Uh, if you've spelled out your initiatives over the project, you could score each initiative. So if you've got it all clearly spelled out, then go back and say, did we meet the 30 units or so? And are we met 25? Is that acceptable? You've got to make the decision. But how can we improve that next time? And I worked for a, a company that used OKRs, and yeah. um, the the way it was structured is yes, so that the, the top level, the SLT, would uh, define the OKRs for the whole company, so the overarching where we want the company to go, and then yeah, that was then distributed down to like the different parts of the organisation. And in your your self organising team, you can go all right within our team's OKRs. We have to align them to the you know the ones from above, right? So that's if, right. Yep. If I achieve the OKRs for our team, we are contributing to the wider company OKRs. That's right. You're feeding back into it, yeah. Yeah, and there's plenty of tools to be able to like Jira can do it, right? You can link everything to like an epic, and the cards yep. within my own project all relate up. All the way up the chain. All the way up yeah. the chain. So then, yeah. you know, you can have a dashboard then at the, the SLT level that says, like, okay, show me all the work streams across the company that are contributing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I put together a very simple example. Um, let's say we had an, a company-wide objective to increase sales by 20%. Okay. Um, every, every example you find online is, is around sales. I mean, it could be anything to increase it by 20%, right? Well, you might spin up a project um, that says, we're going to have a project to start selling our widgets, right? Widget ABC, right? Um, now, the key result out of that would be to complete 50 orders of widgets in the next quarter, right? So, it's got a time frame and it's got a metric against it, right? And it's very specific. The complete is very specific. The that means you've got to get it online, you've got to sell it, you've got to post it, you've got to do the whole thing, right? Um, but it, you could have many, if, depending on the complexity of the project, you could have many key results, not just one, right? But here we just got one just for the simplicity of it. Um, so there's our key results. So now you go, well, how are we going to do that? Well, we need to get a team together. So you, you pull a team together that can actually do that. And then you'll have specific individuals on a on a, a team that could be a team of teams or a virtual team that have specific skill sets that will enable you to complete that key result. Um, and then from that, you develop your initiatives. Um, and one way you could approach that is you could, de you could develop your initiatives uh, across each month, the, the initiatives you need to complete that OKR. So uh, across that quarter, you might say for month one, you need to firstly find your 50 widgets and order your 50 widgets from your wholesaler, for instance. Um, month two, 
you would have them in the warehouse, you would add your branding, and you'd create the content for your website to sell those widgets. And then month three, um, you would add them to the online shop, do your Facebook and marketing campaign, and sell your 50 widgets. So each of those initiatives are very specific, and they've got numbers attached to them, very specific tasks attached to them. Now, when you go back and you do your retro and you look at that, you would say, well, how do we look month one? Did we find our 50 widgets and did we order our 50 widgets? You might say, well, we found them, but when we ordered them, the wholesaler was slow. He delayed us. So that put us back. Uh, you know, and you might say, well, next time we'll use a different wholesaler, right? Because they wouldn't the stuff us around. Or there might be some other extenuating circumstances around that. Um, then you look at month two, you would say, well, we would have liked to have them in the warehouse. Um, on time, but it was a bit, a little bit late. But we were lucky because uh, we already had our branding already organised, so we were able to get that done really quickly. So we caught up, right? So that's great. Whatever we did with branding in that month, we just need to do that again because it was really quick and efficient. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, and then when you look at month three, you say, "Yeah, we got it all online. Uh, we did our marketing campaign, but we only sold forty widgets, not fifty widgets. How can we improve our marketing campaign? It was good, but how can we improve our marketing campaign next time?" Mm. It's kind of how you would use it. And then you would just iterate on that and you would just do that again for the next quarter. Yeah, right. It's a good example. Mm. So there you go. Uh, OKRs. That's my understanding of OKRs in a nutshell. Goal setting framework allows you to structure your goals uh, and gives you a strategy execution tool. Yeah, one thing that comes to mind is that it's also like you, you need those top level goals to be to be set and they said if they if they are being reviewed quarterly or annually whatever the the, the scheme is <laughs> make sure it's done kind of before the dates that you're expecting everyone else to have theirs done i've also been <laughs> in companies where they're like the high level goals haven't like oh we're like a month behind on having the the ceo's <laughs> sort of teams objectives out and yeah. then, so everyone else is behind. There's like, okay, everyone, yeah. everyone, you have to rush and get your objectives done. It's like, but I don't know what to align them to. Flows down. Yeah, yeah. you don't know what to align to. Yeah. Yeah. Got to give me something to work with. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you need, yeah, everyone needs to be on the ball, right? Everyone needs to be playing the game to make this work. All right. Well, that's about it for us, I think. Uh, I've talked about OKRs enough for the moment. Um, hopefully, we'll have a few more subjects on various things over the coming months um yeah and certainly if anything comes up that you want us to deep dive into then contact the show you can do that by going to itunes and writing us a review or you can contact the show gcplife at kasna.com.au uh, we've got the twitter there at gcplife and we've got the website the website's been completely redone brand new shiny um, website brand new shiny website and look we do we did have a little problem with the feed um i'm getting in trying to fix that up at the moment so uh there may be a little delay with the feed and getting your show out but never mind we will get you fresh new content every fortnight um yeah so uh that's about it for me what about you dave you got anything else uh no i'm uh, i'm just looking forward to getting out in the uh, the beautiful weather that there is outside so um i want to get out and stretch my legs but uh, this has been a long podcast but sitting in this chair it has, too long. it has been a long one indeed dave uh, and don't forget today's sponsor is kasna kasna we make your google cloud solutions possible we'll catch you later bye see ya <laughs>
Mm, I don't. Ah, oh, there it is in the middle, uh, just above Terraform. Hmm. Left hand side. Up, 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 up the just above. Ah, right. Ah, there. I see compute engine. So it's connected to this project. It should see two compute engine instances there. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's cool, man. <laughs> I knew this would be good. 